Lord. Sorry again that we're starting a little bit later today, um, but that's okay. That is life, and uh, we will just carry on, shall we? Amen. We're going to continue this morning. I need my Bible too. Could you grab my Bible for me, please, darling? Thank you. Just take it out of the cover, yeah? We're going to continue on with the series that we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about having a heart of worship. Everyone say a heart of worship. A heart of worship. And the reason why we, we're talking about worship is that we need to be worshippers. We spoke about how the Father is seeking for true worshippers, worshippers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. We often focus on the spirit and the truth part of it, and we've got that, which is great, but what He's actually looking for is worshippers. And there is a lack of worshippers. You know, many, many people are willing to praise God for the things that He has done, and they praise God because He's an amazing God, and they praise God because He's blessed them this way, and they praise God because he's, you know, he's blessed them that way. Amen. But what God is actually looking for is worship. That's what God desires. He doesn't need it from us, but that's what He wants. And I don't know about you, but when I think about what God wants, there's something within me that says, I want to give God what He wants. Amen. He doesn't need it, but He wants it. It's something that He desires. Amen. And so we've been talking about worship. The other reason we've been talking about worship is that in an atmosphere of worship God can do anything amen um, just as a as a little example um, you'll remember at the end of our worship service a couple of weeks ago we prayed for the gentleman on the front row who had an eye problem well he went to the doctor after we prayed for him and the doctors told him the disease has stopped spreading it's not getting any worse now whereas previously it was getting worse so it stopped, and we're going to keep praying, amen, but that was an atmosphere of worship. It's not any power or ability that we have within ourselves, but when we place God in the right place through worship, God is able to move, amen. God is able to do things in our lives, and that's what we want. We want our church to be a church where God is free to move as He sovereignly decides to move, amen, and so that is why we worship. Now, last week. Let's go over last week. Last week, you might recall that we spoke about these points. We spoke about how God does not want to make you a worker. He wants to make you a worshiper. Because God knows that you can be a worker, but not a worshiper. But if you can be a worshiper first, then you will naturally want to work for God. You will naturally want to serve in the kingdom. Amen. We spoke about how we can get so caught up in working for God that we end up not knowing who we are serving. Amen. We spoke about how worship, and this was a carry-on from week one, we spoke about how worship flows from divine revelation. We can't worship what we don't know. And so if we are so focused on doing our duties in the kingdom of God and not worshiping God first, eventually we will reach a point where we recognize, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing, amen? And you recognize, I don't know the God that I serve. These kind of things happen in, in, in marriages, sadly. 
You see, when do a lot of marriages break up? A lot of marriages break up when the children leave home because the parents are so fixated on their kids all through school, through university, they leave and they suddenly realize, I don't even know who I'm married to. We are in a covenant relationship with God, and as a covenant relationship, we worship our God. But when that worship stops, and we begin just doing our duties, I've got to be at church, I've got to unlock, I've got to open up the doors, I've got to put the flags out, I've got to make sure the lights are on, I've got to make sure the power bill is paid. You know, when we focus on just duties, we will suddenly wake up one day and realize, why am I doing this? Because the love is gone. We don't worship God anymore. Amen. And so the, the, the takeaway from that point was that if we are struggling to worship God, then do you really know God? And maybe the answer is we need to find a place to really know God. God, help me know you. And you know, I'm, I'm actually going to preach about that a little bit later on today. Amen. We also spoke last week about how we could be what God is looking for. You recall I said the Bible says that he is seeking for worshipers. And the story that we brought up was King Saul. Right? King Saul in the Old Testament, he was appointed by God, anointed by the prophet to be the king of Israel, chosen, head and shoulders above everyone else, to be the king of God's people. And yet God looked into his heart and said, you're not what I'm looking for. And he moved on and he started to find someone else and he found David and the Bible says in Acts, I think it's chapter 15, that he found David, a man after his own heart, who would fulfill all his will. God is looking for people who fulfill his will and when Jesus says the Father is seeking such to worship him, he's expressing his will for our lives. God is expressing his will is that we would become worshippers. And so Saul stands as a warning that we can be called, we can be talented, and we can be chosen and still not be what God is looking for because we don't worship. Amen. Amen. So Saul stands as a warning. Saul was a worker. David was a worshiper. Amen. And then the last point we spoke about last week was we spoke about how true worship leaves you naked before God. It leaves you transparent before God. We talked about how Adam and Eve had nothing to hide from God. God was able to come walk in the cool of the garden with them, fellowship with them, commune with them. There was nothing. But the first thing that happened as soon as they sinned, what did they do? They went and hid. They didn't want to be in the presence of God anymore. That's what sin does. It cuts you off from the presence of God. And so they hid because the presence of sin changes communication to confrontation. So a true worshiper is someone who is cleansed of sin, who is not afraid to be in the presence of God because they've got nothing to hide from God. God knows their heart and they know God knows their heart and they're happy for God to know their heart. God knows our heart anyway. But the question is, are you happy for God to know your heart? Or are you like, well, yeah, God, I don't really want God knowing about that, even though he does know. Amen. See, when we are true worshipers, we have nothing to hide from God. Amen. So we're going to carry on then this morning. My next point, if you're keeping track, this will be point number seven in our series. True worship will keep you from sin and from rebellion. 
And if you've got your Bibles, let's go to the book of Psalms. Psalm 95. And say amen when you are there. Psalm 95, we're going to read for verse 1. As a matter of fact, we might read, read all of it because I want to point this out to you says this, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come for his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his and he made it. His hands formed the dry land. Those first five verses there. If you read it, you will see that David, I think it's David who wrote this particular psalm, he's talking about praising God. The psalmist is praising God. You made the earth, so I praise you. You are a great God, so I praise you. But then you notice in verses 6 and 7, it says this, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Notice the change. Worship puts you in the right position in relation to God. He says here that He is our God and we are His people. Right? So the transition here is from praise, the first five verses, then there's two verses of worship, but then look at this. He goes on. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me and sought my work. Forty long years, forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that do err in their hearts and they have not known my ways unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Now that is an interesting transition. He's gone from praise from verses 1 to 5. And then verses 6 and 7, he talks about worship. And then for the rest of the psalm, all the way through to verse 11, he's talking about rebellion. Now that seems like a real interesting kind of way to lay out your, your, your psalm, doesn't it? But let me, let me tell you about the transition here. Praise is when God hears our voice and we thank Him for what He has done in our lives. But worship, worship is when we hear God's voice. Look at this, Exodus chapter 34. You'll see Moses' response here. And we'll get to the rebellion in a second. But Exodus 34. Verses 5. Read from verse 5. Say amen when you're there. Exodus 34 verse 5. It says, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. This is Moses. 
and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed. Here is Moses hearing what God is about to say. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundance in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. Notice what Moses' response is. He hears the voice of God. And Moses made haste and bowed his head towards the earth and worshipped. So praise is when we hear God's, when God hears our voice, rather, as we thank Him for everything He has done. But worship is what happens when we hear God's voice. Worship is the natural response of what we hear when we hear God's voice. So if worship is hearing God's voice, then rebellion is what happens when we don't hear God's voice. Right? Let's go back to Psalm 95. See, harden not your heart. But then notice verse 7, sorry, the last part. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Or in other words, don't choose to not listen to the voice of God. Because when you stop worshiping, rebellion is on the way. Because rebellion is the next step once worship ceases. Amen. So a lack of worship in your life will mean you're not hearing God's voice. And it will eventually lead to rebellion. Think about it like this. If the people of Israel had seen what Moses had seen, had heard what Moses has heard, perhaps they wouldn't have murmured as much as what they did. But they didn't hear the voice of God. They didn't hear the voice of God. They were very good at praising God for the things that he did, for his, for his actions. But, but Moses, he knew God's nature. And that's why he was a worshiper. And when there is no revelation about who God is, then rebellion is sure to follow. Have you noticed it's the, it's the people who don't worship who have a problem with church. It's the people who don't worship who have a problem with the pastor. It's the people who don't worship who have a problem with the music team and the songs that they're picking. You know, it's, it's when the people don't worship they're not hearing from God. They're the ones that end up in rebellion because they're not worshiping. They're not hearing the voice of God and they end up rebelling. We see this principle in the life of Saul again. 1 Samuel chapter 15, look at this. And I've, I've preached on this before. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 30. It says this, Then he said, I have sinned, this is Saul, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord your God. God. 
that worship that Saul was offering was completely fake because he was already in rebellion. He wasn't listening to what God had said. And even though he was doing the job that God had anointed him to do because he wasn't a worshiper, he was still in rebellion, even while doing the job. That ought to be a warning for us, amen, that we need to be true worshipers of God, true lovers of God. We have to ask ourselves, do we really love the Lord with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength? Amen. Because that is what is the mark of a true worshiper. When we truly do love God like that, we won't have a problem with worship. And when we don't have a problem with worship, we won't have a problem hearing God's voice. And when we have no problems hearing God's voice, we have no problems keeping our lives in accordance with His Word. Amen. Someone say amen. So true worship will keep you from sin and rebellion. Amen. Next point. You ready for this? Worship is your ministry to the Lord. This is why we worship. Worship is your ministry to the Lord. Did you know when you are saved, when you repent from your sin, when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you get a ministry. Turn to the person next to you say, I'm a minister. You're a minister. You're a minister. Every one of us, we have a ministry, not referring to a preaching ministry necessarily, where you are up in front of people, not referring to a music ministry where you are playing piano or singing or something like that, but every single one of us has a ministry. Every single believer has a place of function and influence in the church. We all have a ministry. Congratulations. Now, our ministry can be divided up into three areas, right? And we're going to go through these one at a time. The first one is exhortation. Exhortation is the ministry we render to our brothers and our sisters, to our spiritual brothers and sisters. You know, we, we pray for one another. We comfort one another. We care for one another. We lift one another up in prayer. We bear one another's burdens, the Bible says. And in doing so, we fulfill the law of Christ. Amen. Exhortation, right? We, we build one another up and we care for one another. We all have, every single one of us has a ministry of exhortation. As a matter of fact, when I walk into church and Sister Katie sees me and she says, hello, pastor. Good to see you in God's house. She's exhorting me. She's encouraging me. She's fulfilling her ministry. Amen. And so we have that ministry to encourage one another. Amen. And, and, and 1 Thessalonians 5.11 puts it like this. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. We edify one another. That word edify means to build up. Right? This is why the Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, amen. When we come together as a body of believers, we are building one another up. We are a little bit stronger, a little bit more like Christ. Every time we gather together and encourage one another and worship the Lord together, amen. So we have a ministry of exhortation and that is a ministry that is internal. It's a ministry that's internal to the church, right? Exhortation. The second ministry that every single one of us have is evangelism. Evangelism is the ministry that we offer to the sinner. 
Evangelism is a ministry that we offer to the lost, to the people who don't know Jesus, the people who have backslid. So exhortation is ministry inside the church. Evangelism is ministry outside the church, outside the four walls. It doesn't happen in here on a Sunday. In here, we have exhortation. Out there, we have evangelism. Amen? Broadly speaking, broadly speaking. Amen. So this ministry reaches for people who are lost through intercessory prayer, through witnessing, through being a good example, through being a friend, through sharing the Word of God. Amen. And every single one of us have a responsibility to do this. Bible tells us in Matthew 28, 19, Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. See, this promise we have from God is that as we fulfill our ministry of exhortation, Jesus will be with us. His presence is here. When we worship God together, well, not only do we build one another up, but we encourage God and we give God what He wants. But He also promises that when we are out there and we are evangelizing and we are reaching for people who are lost, He'll be with us as well. His presence is with us as well. He continues to lead and to guide and to go with us. So those are the first two areas of our ministry that we have. Exhortation and evangelism. The third one, the third area is a little different from the others because the third area of ministry that we have does not directly involve others and that is worship. Worship is a ministry. Amen? So when we exhort one another, we are involving ourselves in the lives of our brothers and sisters. When we are an evangelist and we are reaching for others, we are reaching out into the lives of the lost and we are involving ourselves in their lives and their lives are getting involved with us. But when we worship, worship is a ministry that is purely between you and God and nobody else. Amen. Worship is our direct ministry to God. It's not horizontal. It doesn't reach out around you. It goes straight up. It's just between you and God, directly between you and God. Amen. Worship is an interaction between the believer and God without the involvement of anyone else. And yes, we encourage one another. When I see Brother Stan worshipping, it encourages me to worship, amen. But this is why you can be in a church service and you can see one person worshipping God and then two chairs down, there's someone staring at their iPhone playing a game. They're not involved in your ministry. They're doing something else, amen. But that doesn't stop that other person worshipping God because they don't need anybody else to worship God. This is why worship should not be confined just to a church building, but we ought to live lives of worship. We ought to be able to sit in our car and begin to worship God while we drive and feel His presence. We ought to be able to be at work and begin to worship God and feel His presence. Why? Because we don't need one another to worship God. Our ability to worship is not dependent on how everybody else around us is feeling, amen. Everyone else can be down in the mully grubs and 
down, but we can still worship God. We can still lift God up, no matter where we are, no matter how we feel, no matter what's going on in our life. Amen. It is a ministry that we can access at any time. Turn to the person next to you say, I'm a minister. I'm a minister worshiping God. And, you know, it's wonderful to think that we actually bless God through our ministry. You know, think about it. If you're a Sunday school teacher, you bless your children. Right? Sister Mele is blessing our children right now as she ministers to them. Brother Canaan is ministering to our young people right now. It is a blessing to our young people. They are being blessed because Brother Canaan is ministering. Right? I am teaching you life class, hopefully. You're being blessed right now by hearing what I am teaching you. But did you know when you worship God, you can bless Him? Think about the power of that, that God who has given so much for us, who blesses us abundantly, who has poured out His Spirit on us, who gives us every good thing. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is neither no variableness nor shadow of turning. Every good gift, and yet that God, when we turn around and we lift our hands and we begin to say, I worship you, Jesus. I magnify your name. He's like he's sitting in life class and he sits back and says, yes, I love this. I'm being blessed. This is blessing me. He gets joy from that. And that is such a privilege for us. You know, God does not need our money. God does not need our time. He doesn't need our wealth. He doesn't need anything from us. But when we worship him, he receives that and it's a blessing to him. That is our way that we can give back to God anytime, any day, any place, anywhere. We can bless God with our worship. And isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? So when we stop to consider worship, the ministry of worship, and this is my final point for today. Worship can be broken down into three progressive steps. Right? Thanksgiving, praise, and worship. To be a worshiper, first you must start with an attitude of gratitude. Thanksgiving is the prevailing thankful attitude that creates a fruitful seeding ground for great worship of God. If we are just unthankful, we will never become good worshipers. And we understand that. For those of you who are parents amongst us, right? When you give your child or your grandchild a gift and they are unthankful, you really don't want to give them another gift, do you? Have you ever been at Christmas Day where your child, your dearly beloved, has lots of presents and there's something in there that's super special that you've bought and you put so much effort and maybe it was really expensive and they open it up and they go, oh yeah, cool. They put it aside and they go to the next present. Like, wait, no, look at this a bit more. Appreciate it a bit more. My mother tells the story that when I was a small boy, my grandmother, my nana, sewed me a beautiful set of pajamas. She put a lot of work into it and, you know, wrapped it up, put it on the tree. It was very nice. I'm like six years old. For those of you who have six, seven years old, you know clothes are not the most exciting gifts for six years old. Apparently, I opened them and went, I don't want that. Chucked it away and went looking for toys under the Christmas tree, right? My mom was like, no, look, Nana made these for you, 
right? But see, this is the same with God. If we are not thankful for the things that God has done in our life, if we are not thankful for the blessings that He has given us, if we don't cultivate an attitude of thankfulness for the things of God in our life, how can we ever worship Him? We won't appreciate Him. And so it always begins with a thankfulness. Thankfulness praises God for what He has done, and it praise exalts Him for who He is. Amen? And praise should be verbal. Thanksgiving, sorry, should be verbal. I'm sorry, I've got my notes mixed up here. Thanksgiving is a prevailing mental state of gratitude for what God has done. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks. You know, Sister Janie and I, we had a bit of a rough morning today. You ever have those rough mornings where it's just like, nothing seems to be going right today. It's going to be an amazing service. I could just feel it. We lost something really important. We're trying to find it. It's a letter. We can't find it. It's like, getting stressed. And I'm in that prayer room this morning. I'm trying to pray. And the first thing I prayed is I said, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything that happened today, Lord. Thank you for helping us keep our sanity. Thank you that we can serve you. Amen. Because we've got to have that prevailing attitude of thankfulness. Now, that's the first step, a prevailing attitude of thankfulness. The next step in our journey of worship is praise. And praise goes one step further, and it expresses that gratitude in some verbal audible or or a demonstrative way you understand what I mean by demonstrative something you can see something you can see right praise can be heard when we verbally or demonstratively extol the values and the virtues of God that's praise amen thanksgiving praises him for what he has done and praise exalts him for who he is and all expressions of praise can be grouped into these three areas ready verbal look at this this is why our praise should be something that should be heard. You cannot, I'm, I'm sorry, this might mess with someone's theology, but you cannot praise God and be silent. It's just not the same thing. The Bible says this, My tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. That's Psalms 35. Verse 38, how much time do I have? I won't go into all these scriptures. But Psalms 40, verse 3. Psalm 89, verse 1. 119, 108. 119, 171. Isaiah 26, and 12 and 6. Hebrews 13, 15. Revelation 19, 1. All of these scriptures are showing that praise is something you can hear. We are to open our mouth and praise God. Someone say amen. It's also meant to be audible. So we don't open our mouth and go, thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done today. You're such a good God. No, you're meant to hear people's praise, amen. It says this in Psalm 33, verse 2. Praise the Lord with the harp. Sing unto him with the psalter and with an instrument of ten strings. This one, we like to quote this one. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph, amen. It's meant to be loud. It's meant to be heard. We want people driving past thinking, my Lord, what is going on in there? Is there some stadium, some football match? What are these people doing? They're making a racket. Why? Because we're praising God. That's what we want. Amen. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet, the psaltery, the harp, the timbrel, the dance, the stringed instruments and organs and cymbals. Psalm 150, that is. 
These are all things that make a lot of noise. Make a lot of noise. Our praise needs to be audible. And our praise needs to be demonstrative. It needs to be something that we can see. When we praise God, right? We don't praise God like this. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. That's not praising God. Praising is demonstrative. When you look in the Bible, you see example after example of people doing things to praise God. Look at this, Psalm 63 verse 4. I will lift my hands in thy name. Lifting hands. It's in the Bible. There's so many more scriptures. I don't have time to go through all of them. Psalm 149 verse 3. Let them praise his name in the dance. That's why we dance sometimes. That's why we jump up and down in the spirit and get all excited. Why? We're praising God. We're demonstrating that we want to praise God. Acts 3 and 8. The story of the lame man. He was healed. He wanted to praise God for what God had done. And so he stood there after being healed and went, praise you God. Praise you God. Mm, yes, thank you, God. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says this, and he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered into them, into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Man, this guy looked like he was a loony. Why? Because God had healed him, and he wanted to praise God. You know, it's like that song we sing, I got to praise and I got to let it out. It's like something within me is making me want to move. It's making me want to clap my hands. It's making me want to shout. It's making me want to dance. Because praise should be demonstrative. Amen. So we are to have thanksgiving. We are to have praise. And then the third and the highest level of our ministry unto the Lord, of course, is worship. And it's not just man reaching to God. See, when we are thankful, when we praise God, we are reaching towards God. But worship is not just us reaching towards God, but worship is where God reaches back down towards us. It is in worship that communication can begin to happen between God and His creation. It is in worship that we hear the voice of God. It is in worship that our lives can be changed and things can begin to happen in our lives. Amen. Worship is the divine, it's the, it's the top, it's the apex, it's the, the best you can do in ministry unto the Lord. And it enables God to be able to communicate with you as well. Worship is entering into a supernatural realm where there is real contact with the Spirit of God. Worship, if you want to put it like this, is entering into the throne room of God and bowing down before Him and worshiping Him. That is what worship is, and that's why worship is the top. Amen. So we have thanksgiving, we have praise, and we have worship. That is our ministry to God. Not to anyone else, but to God. We come with thankful hearts. We live with thankful hearts. We come before God. We thank Him for everything that He has done. But at some point in our ministry to the Lord, we need to move into worship, where we worship God because of who He is is. Amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't we all stand this morning? Next week, I'm going to talk about the tabernacle of David. The interesting thing about this is that when David was on the throne, Moses' tabernacle was still at Shiloh. But David built another tabernacle. And it was in David's tabernacle 
that the Ark of the Covenant was kept when David brought it back from the house of Obed-Edom, right? So we're going to talk about that. And here's why. Because in Amos, there is a prophecy. It says this, in that day, talking about the last day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches. Therefore, I will raise up his ruins and I will build it as in the days of old that they may possess the remnant of Edom and of all the heathen which are called by my name, says the Lord that does this. So next week, we're going to talk about the tabernacle of David and what that means for us today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Would you lift your hands? And let's just worship the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Jesus, I worship you because of who you are, Lord God. Father, you are awesome, Lord. There is no one like you, Lord God. I bless your name, Lord Jesus. I place you in the highest place, Lord, for you are worthy, O God. Worthy is the Lamb that sits upon the throne to receive glory and dominion, power and majesty, both now and forever, Lord Jesus. I worship you, Lord God. Father, thank you for this life class. Thank you that we can learn to be worshipers, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we understand what our ministry is, God, that you have given us a a heart, Lord, to worship you, Jesus. Help us to fulfill what you have called us to do, Lord God. Lord, not just through the rest of this service, Lord, but every day, Lord, let us live our lives with an attitude of thankfulness for all that you have done. Let us live a life full of praise and gratefulness for what you have done, Lord God. But above all, Lord, let us fulfill our ministry to you in worship, Jesus, because you are worthy, Lord. Lord, we exalt you today. Take your place in our church service, Lord. Take your place in everything that's going to happen today, Lord God. Let your name be lifted higher, Lord God, I pray. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Praise the Lord.